You are listening to the History Respawn Podcast. The HR Podcast is made possible by support from our listeners. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting our work by going to our Patreon site at www.patreon.com forward slash history respond. That's www.patreon.com forward slash history respond. Welcome to the History Respawn Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Whitaker. Today's episode features a conversation with Holly Nielsen. Holly is a historian researching the history of British board games, and she recently graduated with a master's degree from Cambridge University. In addition to her academic work, Holly regularly writes on historical video games for The Guardian. Holly, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us kind of briefly uh, about your research on British board games. Right. So uh, I actually I started just before my master's, but it was uh, I used it as part of my master's dissertation. Uh, so my master's dissertation was uh, it was a really snappy title of a cultural, social and commercial history of British board games uh, circa 1880 <laughs> to 1930. So, you know, to really nice. grab the attention of readers. Right. Um, my master's <laughs> title was not much better. So there you go. <laughs> and I think, so yeah, I did that for my master's, but um, I'm expanding on it. Uh, so I'm looking at kind of 19th century, kind of even kind of a late 18th century and going up to uh, the early 20th century. Um, so I got, I kind of, it's, a, it's, I kind of found, I kind of got to it in a really weird way. There was kind of a few different things that happened that kind of led me to board games. Cause originally I didn't look at, uh, modern uh, modern history at all i uh, specialized in early modern history in my undergraduate degree and i think mm. my uh, my uh, i think my my dissertation was on the alchemical and magical research of isaac newton and robert boyle so totally mm-hmm. <laughs> totally different um, mm-hmm. but i so i specialized in kind of ritual and i found a lot of similarities between uh, a lot of the theoretical stuff in ritual and theoretical stuff in play like the idea of kind of creating this kind of separate environment where rules are inversed and it all becomes it comes its own world um, so i found that really interesting and then um, as you said i was a i was a, a well i am a video games journalist and uh, while i was doing my uh, undergrad history undergraduate i kind of tried to combine the two and occasionally was lucky enough to write about kind of history and video games and from doing that, I became really aware that I, 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 there wasn't a lot on the history of games themselves, particularly kind of uh, analog games like I look at. You know, there's, there's kind mm-hmm. of a, the Oxford History of Board Games by David Parlett, which is great. There's a few reference books uh, and there's kind of these great papers, but kind of all kind of dispersed around all these disciplines of history. And I, yeah, and I just kind of became aware that there was a you know, it's really rare when you, when you, as you'll know, when you're a historian and you come across something and you just can't find, an, you know, a lot on it. And uh, so mm-hmm. I found that really interesting. And then uh, uh, another thing, I was at the uh, Black Cultural Archives in Brixton in London for a totally separate thing. Um, and they had on display there, they had a, a board game made by a Black and Asian women's group. I think it was in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And it was just this homemade snakes and ladders board. You know, you could still see like the felt tip pen marks. It was this brilliant artifact, this brilliant thing. And uh, the whole point of it was that uh, you play as a Black woman in London, you know, in the 70s. And so you always lose because everything's mm-hmm. against you. And I thought that was, you know, I saw a lot of what was happening in 
video games at the time in that and I kind of I just thought it was fantastic and so I started looking at political games and going back further and further and you know seeing the suffragette board games and going back further and imperial board games and you know board games made by Quakers and there was just this fantastic source base uh that I thought was uh a little bit untapped so yeah so that's how I started looking yeah. at that no, I think you've landed on a great subject. I mean, I'm a historian of modern Britain. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's not something that comes up very often, you know, even with reference to empire, even with reference to modern politics, like the suffragette movement, uh, you know, you never see any research about games. So I think that's, it's a really good topic. And I think it's one that really needs to be explored. Um, you know, particularly because, uh, of course, you know, you know, studying video games that, uh, you know, it's kind of a somewhat of a controversy that uh, games have become political, mm. uh, you know, I kind of put become in scare quotes. But, you know, it seems like your research has often pointed out that games have always been political. And you could go back to the 19th century, uh, early 20th century. A lot of these games are kind of um, designed to be political, to deliver a political message or maybe even a moral message. Yeah, so that was that was another thing that really kind of... Um you know, kind of pushed me, you know, kind of helped encourage me into my research was I was kind of seeing these kind of arguments of, oh, you know, games, you know, games have become more political and oh, isn't that bad? And it was, it was really annoying me because obviously as a historian, you know, that, you know, almost everything is political. And so there was, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing all these political games and actually, you know, games, especially games that created in Britain during the 19th century and the 18th century, they were designed to convey a message. As you said, they were often heavily didactic. They were moralistic. And so, and I found it really interesting in that through my research, you know, not yet, this is just through my research, so maybe it does exist out there, but I found all these, um, you know, lots of people complaining about the actual messages behind the game. So, you know, kind of anti-suffrage, people kind of complaining about, you know, the actual politics in the board game, but they never, I haven't yet seen something which actually states that a game itself shouldn't be political because I think they always had mm-hmm. been. And so it would be a bit like saying, oh, well, why is this writing become political all of a sudden? Or, you know, that picture's a bit political, you know, where's this come from? And so I thought, I was like, that's quite a strange and fairly, like, I haven't seen that before, which I thought was odd. And it seems to be a fairly new phenomenon. Um, but, you know, as I say, that's just for my own mm-hmm. research. Maybe there is a longer history. Um, but I found that really interesting, particularly because a lot of what I see, I look at a lot of uh, like World War One board games. And so you get uh, this kind of, uh, people pushing back on that and you get kind of pacifist leagues and things like that being against uh, the presence of violence and the presence of war in games. Um, but they never explicitly say that games just shouldn't be political. It's about the message that they're conveying that they take issue with, not the medium itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you've talked about uh, you've kind of been interested in history and games for a while. I mean, was there kind of a moment where that kind of uh, light bulb clicked for you? Was uh, is there a particular game that kind of drew you to the subject or a particular book, for instance, um, or an article? So I played a lot of uh, Age of Mythology as a, as a as a kid, a lot of that. Um, so, you know, right, not yeah. strictly well for being broad about history, but kind of that. And then... Um, I don't know. I found it wasn't so much the the kind of games of historical settings, but I found kind of I played a lot of like fantasy games and I found the way that they talked about their own history really interesting and the kind of the way they wrote about their own history or tried to create a sense of world by using history. I thought that was really interesting. And obviously, like, you know, a lot of fantasy takes cues from medieval history or, you know, things like that. And I thought and that kind of yeah, that kind of sparked something. And it wasn't until really, I, I think the first article I wrote about it was, uh, I, I was, I think I had a, I was 
I was doing my undergraduate and one of my, I was doing a, a, a module on Victorian London and it was just as Assassin's Creed Syndicate came mm-hmm. out based in Victorian London. And, um, mm-hmm. and I found it really interesting cause I was, I was playing it and then, you know, doing this module at the same time. And I was, and I, I just asked my lecturer at the time, I was like, Oh, would you mind like playing bits of it with me? And she was very like sweet and uh, it's a historian called Alana Harris and she obliged and we played bits of it together and she got really into it. Although she's not familiar with video games themselves, she found it really interesting. And I think there, I, I think for me, because I wasn't necessarily, because I didn't really look at history of games from an academic point to that, you know, at that, at that time, I didn't really know there was all this literature out there and there was all these people and community that were interested in it. So I was just kind of, I felt like I was just kind of finding my feet and then off the back of that, uh, that article, I was I was really lucky enough that uh, King's College London, when I was doing my undergraduate, said, oh, if you can find enough uh, academic reading on the topic, would you like to give a lecture? And I was like, it felt totally out of my depth and was like, oh, God, really? Um, yeah. And, Thrown into the and, deep end. And, and so then looking for the for the for the reading for the uh, for the lecture um, that, you know, I, I discovered this amazing community. And I, I yeah. And from there, it just I guess it just grew. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of wondering, you know, what games have you been playing recently, historical or otherwise? Uh, so I just finished the final edits on my Assassin's Creed Odyssey review. Um, so I've played about about 50 hours of that. Um, oh, God. Yeah, it was a pretty yeah. intense. I always say, <laughs> as, especially as a freelancer, I always do like a big RPG. And I'm like, right, that's the last time I review a big RPG. I can't <laughs> keep doing this to myself. And then, they, you know, the editor says, oh, well, you want to look at this? And I'm always like... Oh, go on then. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> um, yeah, we'll we'll allow it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm about I'd say twenty twenty one hours yeah. into the game. So, I've kind of got my own views about it, but I, I don't really want to step over the review that you're going to publish. But could you give us kind of a, a brief glimpse into your own thinking about that game? Um, as in, like the the game, like from the historical side, or just as like a kind of game reviewer, you kind of. Whatever, whatever you feel like talking about, this is a safe um, place. So I think, I mean, it would be interesting to talk about the historical stuff because obviously, you know, I touch on it a bit in the in the review, but it's mainly, you know, you're very limited with the amount of words you can use. So it's mainly about the game as a whole. Um, I'm kind of in a weird place of games at the moment in that I I, I think Assassin's Creed has, has especially from Origins, I think I, I didn't enjoy Syndicate that much. I I kind of bounced off mm. it quite a lot and I thought it was it was aesthetically stunning. Um but it felt a little bit shallow. It felt a little bit hollow, and so and then I was I was I was really impressed by the the effort they put into Origins, you know. And there's still obviously, mm-hmm. you know, there's I think there's there's always there's interesting stuff to debate around it. But they obviously they have put in a lot of effort, um, mm-hmm. uh, and and yeah. And so I I kind of got a bit drawn back into the series through that. And then playing yeah playing Odyssey. I'm in a, I'm in a kind of weird place because I think. Because the especially around portrayals of gender history um, in games, because I feel like games are in a, in a really weird place right now where they don't really know how to tackle that subject and also whether mm-hmm. they need to tackle that subject. Um, and I kind of been having all these like internal debates in my head, so I'm probably just going to end up rambling and making no sense and contradicting myself and <laughs> all of that because it's a it's a difficult thing. So it's something I think people need talking. You know, it's 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 an important issue that we should be talking about, but also, you know, the general gaming community at the moment is 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 in quite a toxic place. So it's often very difficult to talk yeah. about it. So it's quite nice to go on this podcast yeah. and feel <laughs> a bit more of a safe space. Right. 
Um, you know, it is funny though. I mean, you, you, you've played it for 50 hours. I've played it for 21 and I have the same feeling of I've been with this thing for quite a long time. You know, essentially a day of my life has been wasted on it and I still don't know quite how I feel about it. Um, yeah. you know, I think that there's elements of the history that are interesting in the way that they've approached it. You know, I think you've got a lot of the elements of the kind of the broad strokes, of the Peloponnesian mm. Wars, even though, you know, a lot of those details are a bit yeah. off, you know, for gameplay reasons. Um, and then on the gameplay side of things, I, I had the same sensation playing uh, mm. Origins last year is the fact that it takes so long for the game it's, to open up. Oh, I yeah. mean, I'd say 15 long. hours. It's I think, and yeah. as somebody with two kids with a job, you know, it's very difficult to kind of dedicate that amount of time. To yeah, something. I think my my main takeaway was I really, really like the game. I, I, I enjoyed what I played of it. I think it's really ambitious. I don't think everything they do lands totally, but I like the fact that they're mm -hmm. trying it. Um, but I think it's 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 major issue is the leveling up and experience points. I think the the yes. way I felt that the game was artificially slowing me down, so I'd be more likely to pay for the time saver packs that they offer. And it felt like oh, uh, wow, it felt yeah. like they were kind of self sabotaging their own game, uh, which is which is really yeah. frustrating. Um, so yeah, I, I I I I enjoy. I have issues with it. I but I have really enjoyed what I played. But as you say, I think I'm very lucky in the fact that you know, as a reviewer, I just got to sit down and play this game. And as for someone who kind of wants yeah. to like, you know, if you just want to kind of get through the main story, you're probably not going to be able to do that in less than 50 hours kind of thing and that's that's oh. that is like and that is enough to that's not what yeah, i wanted to hear i'm sorry maybe, maybe <laughs> that's not you what can I wanted do it quicker hear. maybe you're way better at the game than me but it's... i doubt it <laughs> but yeah i think i think and that's not for everyone obviously um but i think its mm -hmm. scope is remarkable and the stuff they try i like that they're trying it um but yeah mm -hmm. i think i found it as I was saying, I don't know, the, the, the fact that you can choose between Cassandra and Alexios, I really like. Um, I, re I chose Cassandra. Which, oh, yeah. did you? Okay, I did and too. I really like her as a character. I think she's great. I think The voice actor is just phenomenal. Fantastic. I wish I'd looked up her oh, name. Oh, I just wrote about her. Yeah. Oh, and the name has totally escaped me. But she's fantastic, and she deserves every bit of credit and awards or whatever she gets, but she's fantastic. Yeah. Alexios, though, I, I mean, I don't want to disparage anybody's work, but he just, he sounds like an extra on 300. I mean, yeah, it just I, very yeah. deep and I don't throaty. Know if that's because I that's just, no, like no spoilers, but that's what, like the way that the character is if you don't choose the main character. So I'd be interested he, he to hear be. what Cassandra sounds like be. if you pick Alexios. <laughs> it's the same voice actor, just, uh, you know. <laughs> the exact but same I, one. But oh. there were some bits where I found I'm I'm not an expert in ancient Greece, so you know I may have my facts totally wrong, and I may be getting you know maybe maybe you know I'm taking you know my pre-existing probably wrong things to it. But I found there was a couple of times, especially playing because I was playing as Cassandra, where I was kind of um, helping out in politics, or I was, specifically I was helping a guy get citizenship, and um, mm -hmm. and I just found it really, you know really striking that you know again i may be wrong this is a thing where it's like i'm not an expert but <laughs> you're fine a, nobody's gonna get a, you on the show a, as a woman but particularly as as a non-athenian woman she would you know she would be very limited in what she you know where she could go what she could do in fact she'd probably be i think she'd be more limited Absolutely. if she's an athenian woman but i don't know i'm not an expert um yeah. and i found and i don't know if i find 
the kind of disengagement of gender history, I don't, I, in some ways I find it cathartic. I think there's an element of just being able to play these games as a capable woman and, you know, especially in a world where, you know, the news is so depressing and, you know, maybe I just don't want to be reminded of, you know, all this stuff all the time. But then it's, it's I don't know, I feel like as games are kind of so often focused on like a power fantasy, I don't know where that leaves us, especially historically wise with mm-hmm. people in history who weren't powerful, who weren't in those positions. Do we make them exceptions do we make them these exceptions which are, you know, kind of, I don't know, kind of, you know, critique of what we might expect of, of these historical characters or historical actors or, or or do we engage with that? And I don't know what the answer is. I don't think there is a right answer. I think it's different for every game and I don't think mm-hmm. it would necessarily be appropriate in Assassin's Creed because, you know, it's, I don't know, maybe it would feel a bit too kind of, well, why are you picking on this when, you know, you've you've got this stuff or you've got this stuff and it's not a, you know, you've got, you know, I mean, God, I'm fighting a Medusa and diving into haystacks. Why do I have to be reminded of a, of a gender politics? But I don't know. I I don't know. But I would, I don't know. I would, I would, I would like to see more games engage with that. And I think maybe, I don't know what the answer is, but maybe just a refocusing Mm of who we look at in history, why we look at them. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's something I've been thinking about quite a lot. Yeah, I know that's a big part now of academic classics literature is, you know, looking at gender politics and uh, ancient texts, you know, things that have been read one way, but are now, you know, scholars are going back and reading them with different theories in mind. And um, for the History Respawn episode, we've got uh, Kate Cook uh, from uh, the University of Leeds coming on, and and she's an expert on uh, Greek uh, uh, drama uh, and comedy and theater. Uh, during uh, this time period. So uh, I was actually really excited given the guest that we've we've got so many mm-hmm. playwrights uh, in yeah, the game. Um, I just got past <laughs> the point where we were um, uh, we were at uh, Pericles in mm. his symposium and you spend most of the night in a drinking game, drinking contest uh, with two famous uh, Greek, uh, yeah. playwrights and then there ends up being a, a scenario where you <laughs> sing as well which was fascinating um i'm really eager to get kate's uh, view uh, on how her uh, her historical subjects are, are you know kind of engaged in drinking and singing uh in this video game we'll there see was how that one thing out. i really like which was i really like that um socrates is portrayed as just being quite annoying like everyone's yeah he's just like he's just like he's just insufferable <laughs> And I I, yeah. I I quite enjoyed that. I thought that was you know I have no idea how you know how I you know what what how, what that says to the history, but I just found that quite yeah. funny. <laughs> I think kind of take yeah it was funny kind of almost mythological philosophical you know people and kind of making them human and making you know actually if someone was doing that all the time that's incredibly annoying. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I've got to admit that I use the Socratic method quite a bit in my classrooms and having to put up with Socrates in the game so far, I've kind of realized maybe, maybe I should tone that down just a little bit, you know, where he's, he's at the dinner party and he's saying, um, you know, yeah. one thing, but he's posting it as a question. And then Alexandra comes back and says, well, you just said this. And it's like, no, I'm just posing questions. I didn't actually say anything. And it's just like, that is your real prat. You are a total dick. I found, um, yeah. But uh, I found yeah. um, Go ahead. Aspasia. So I, I found. Mm-hmm. So I thought. I thought there was a, there was a bit of kind of in. I don't know. Maybe like hints of kind of stuff where uh, 
so there's kind of priestesses and Aspasia, who's the the kind of uh, lover of Pericles, I think. And, and, yeah. Yeah, I think they're partners. Um, yeah. And uh, and yeah, and so uh, and I, I found I found the kind of the these kind of women who weren't in traditional kind of political roles, but kind of asserted uh, political dominance in other ways I thought was I thought that was that was interesting I like the fact that they focus on Aspasia so much um okay yeah I, I I thought that was again I I probably don't know enough about the actual history to say whether you know how much of that is you know true or how much where does it come from yeah. and stuff like that but I thought that was I thought that was a refreshing take at least yeah, and I think that is is true to modern classics mm. literature in the ways in which they're bringing in gender theory, uh, bringing in uh, new ways of analysis. I think if um, you were uh, to have players coming into this game who are maybe familiar with this age, uh, you know, studying you know the mm. military side of things, studying the Peloponnesian War, uh, you know, being in touch with films like Three Hundred they might have a very strong negative reaction because they're expecting, you know, kind of a, a male dominated mm. world when in fact, you know, particularly for Sparta, but then also for a certain extent with Athens, you know, these uh, have, uh, these places had mm. roles for women and they played a really important role uh, in determining the course of politics uh, in particular, maybe not so much on the battlefield, but um, I think that, you know, that the game, you know, we'll, I'll talk to, uh, Kate on History Respawn about this, but uh, I, it feels true to me in my limited knowledge uh, of this era. Um, you know, I'm a modern historian as well, so I, <laughs> I get nervous when you know the when we go back anywhere, you know, maybe past the 18th century. Yeah. I, I, get a I was so much more comfortable squeamish. with Syndicate. <laughs> I knew what was going on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, so I, I found yeah. it. I found it interesting. All right. Well, I mean, have you been playing anything else recently? I mean, you spent fifty hours yeah, it kind with of, uh, with Odyssey. It's my life not, right? uh, quite a bit. Um, I started playing before that. I started playing The Witcher Three uh, for the first time because mm. yeah, Another I don't know why game, right? I did that. I knew I was going to be reviewing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I was looking at my game shelf and I was like, oh, I fancy playing something. But and I picked up The Witcher Three, and what is wrong with me? <laughs> I'm gonna have no time for anything. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I started playing that and I think I played a fair amount of it. Um, it was cause it was one of those games and I found it, um, I found, I found it, you know, there's just kind of half baked thoughts in my head, but I found it's kind of portrayal mm. of kind of like nationalism and immigration quite interesting. Mm. Um, I'm not familiar with the books. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not even that familiar with like fantasy genre, like writing. It's not something I read a lot. Um, but I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. I was, Yeah. This this kind of yeah, I don't know yeah. Yeah, a short short yeah. game, right? Uh, it sounds it sounds like you're all you're you're like other good historians. You're oh. a masochist oh, yeah. at heart. You know, yeah, you know, after like, I'd, just, after I'd stayed up till midnight jump. finishing a chapter, I was like, you know, what kind of lighthearted fun thing do I want to do right now? I'll play The Witcher <laughs> Three. <laughs> Um, I played a little bit. We covered Witcher 3 for History Respawn. My mm. uh, colleague, John Harney, uh, played quite a bit more than I did. But, you know, that is interesting that you bring up immigration because I think that's a big part of mm. our analysis of the game and, you know, kind of depictions or at least um, representations of how minorities were treated mm. in a medieval setting, uh, which ended up getting us a lot of flack uh, for that episode from people who you know, wanted us to just concentrate on warfare oh, really? and weapons, right? We were bringing in 
discussion of race and gender, and they they don't appreciate that. Um, there's something there's something particularly pernicious about the fans of uh, medieval yeah. history video it's games. It's like when that uh, like. the Kingdom Come game came out, and I just didn't. And yes. I, I had a couple yeah. of editors ask us, "Oh, do you want to like play it?" Do you want? And I was like, "I'm not touching it. <laughs> I know that I'm just going to be, you know, yeah. letting myself in for." And I found I actually found that was one point where it kind of really was really stark to me about I don't know how we need to engage with history more is that the, the reporting on it I found really I was getting really frustrated because I was seeing you know reporters who are really good writers perfectly capable and they'd be taking terms like historically accurate and using it as like an end note like saying oh it's a, and I was like but what what yeah. do they mean by historically accurate like what accurate to what you know mm-hmm. who are they looking at for these histories mm-hmm. where are they getting you know, and I and I, I thought that it was really frustrating um and yeah, and there was all yeah. this kind of, you know, weird stuff around it and, you know, and all the stuff that's going on at the moment about, uh, what's it, um, Total War having female generals, I think, but that was brought to Total War. Yeah, but that was introduced yes. in March, but only people yes, just notice now and are getting mm-hmm. angry about it. And and it's, yeah, there's, it's a, you know, it's the, the cry of historical, accru- historical accuracies. I kind of see it being more and more used and, you know, but it probably has for a long time being used as a kind of, a mask for a general kind of misogyny really or a general kind of I don't want women in these games or I don't think women belong in these games and I think that's a real yeah I I think just the yeah it's it's becoming a real issue and again it's something that I I want to engage with but then I also see you know the repercussions of potentially engaging with that and I I don't think I can at this point in time, you know, and that's really, and that's really frustrating and it's really annoying. Um, But, you know, I'm a a person with no university affiliation at the moment, applying for PhDs, you know, freelance. So I don't even have like a dedicated publication behind me and I'm just not in a position to do that. And, you know, and it was like when Call of Duty World War II came out and a few people asked, oh, would you like to write about the inclusion of uh, female soldiers and multiplayer and things like that? And I was just like, no, (laughs) no, from, I would... And I would love to explore it, but I, I, I just know that I'm setting, you know, and that's so depressing and that's so frustrating. And I wish, you know, and I wish, you know, and ideally you'd be able to just go, oh, you know, this is a thing I believe in, a thing we should talk about. I'm going to do it anyway. And it doesn't matter what people do, but that's not the world we live in. And that's, and it's not as easy as that. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a frustrating time at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you are out there writing reviews of you know historical games other games because i think we do need that type of voice you know especially uh from women obviously but then also uh from historians because like you said there's a lot of claims going about uh, around Mm. about historical accuracy um what better person to kind of speak to those issues than a historian right to be there um and to kind of you know put your voice out there um you know it's really brave uh, and i also think it's really necessary because it, uh, there's some sort of attachment between video games and history. Um, and I think given that we need to need to mm-hmm. do as much as we can, yeah. you know, while we can. Um, but you're right. I mean, it is difficult, obviously, you know, not having that kind of support from a publication uh, to not just shoulder the abuse, but also kind of the, yeah. the emotional side uh, that that work can kind of uh, yeah, take a toll a, on. Yeah. I think it's a, you know, I've had a few people say, oh, but this just shows that you really need to write about it. You know, this just kind of shows, you know, that it's really important. And yes, it does. But also, mm-hmm. you know, you have to think about the individual person writing at that point. 
it's yeah. it, it can be really difficult and it's you know I'm never gonna you know when I have kind of uh, journalists asking me like oh well should I write about this and I say of course you should be able to write about whatever you want but you know I I, I don't think we should lie to people about how difficult it can be um you know and I don't think you know yeah. and I think especially there was when I first started getting into games journalism there was a real issue with uh kind of editors kind of and I don't it, it didn't come from a necessarily malicious place I think it came from a place of wanting to kind of get these just issues out there but kind of you know I'd be writing something and an editor would be like oh but how does this make you feel as a young woman and I'll be like it has nothing to do with, oh, no. with my age or my gender oh, no. and, and it was constant and so I think there's there's got to be a balancing act where you know there's a space for people to talk but also they aren't forced into talking and aren't forced into kind of you know opening stuff up and things like that but yeah, yeah it's a it's a very difficult issue and um but yeah it's at least there seems to be gradually more people engaging with it and but yeah oh well so given the fact we just discussed how terrible video games are um <laughs> are there are there any video games that are coming out soon that you're kind of looking forward to you got your your eye on um i'm excited for red dead 2 mm-hmm. um it's, I don't know if you find this, but I, I, I was trying to explain this uh, to my partner and I was saying, I was like, you know, because I, I, I really like uh, Red Dead Redemption and, you know, and I've been watching the gameplay of it and it looks, you know, beautiful as you'd expect it to and all of this. And then I thought, oh, I really want to play it. But in a way, I know that I'll have to think about it when I play it in a way that almost doesn't feel like, like, yeah. you know, like playing it to enjoy. And maybe that's my own issue. Maybe I need to learn to switch off from work. You, you'll be or, sitting there making notes on a scratch pad or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, ruining it for everyone else around me, <laughs> um, which is always the fun of a reviewer or a, someone who analyzes. That's something. your job, right? That's what you do. Yeah. right? Yeah. I'm here to ruin all fun. That's my, <laughs> I have a badge with that on. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm interested to see, what they do with that um yeah i'm also interested there's a, a game coming oh i'm i think it's uh it's oh god what's it called is it called 11 11 it's the oh, it's a, yes 11 11 memories retold there we go that's the game so yeah i think in uh so 11 11 memories retold which yeah, I think it's it's all about it's a World War One game as far mm-hmm. as I can remember, and uh, it's all about it's a, like an emotional narrative game. So it's mm-hmm. kind of about kind of putting the emotion back into the experience of war, and you know not. And I I I find that really interesting. I think you know because obviously history has had this huge emotive turn, you know, and everyone's interested in kind of emotions in history. And I think it's interesting mm-hmm. to see games almost reflecting that. And uh, thinking about the emotional impact of these, you know, historical events and people in these settings. Um, so I'm interested to see what that will be like. Um, a Valiant Hearts was a really... Did you play Valiant Hearts? I did, yes. I covered it for History Respond. And I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I think that it obviously had a lot of work behind it. Uh, you know, the, uh, the French uh, World War I Centenary Committee mm. also helped to fund it and give historical advice on it. And that really showed, but also I was a little put off by the kind of jokey, mm. slapdash uh, nature of some of the action in the game, which, you know, for most of it was kind of really reverent to mm. the subject matter. But then for other parts of it, it felt kind of like, um, I don't know, like another third person child uh, action game like Ratchet and Clank or yeah. something like that. It was very off putting in certain it was, parts. It was a really weird game. And it's one that. 
I, I, I kind of, I, I, I really liked it in some respects. And in fact, you said there's obviously a lot of effort has gone into it. And sometimes I found the kind of irreverence of it. It reminded me of propaganda from that time period. It reminded me mm. of things like, oh, what a lovely war. And this kind of like the weird juxtaposition yes. of this like uh, almost playful approach to war that's going on in kind of culture at the time. Right. And then the realities in some way, I don't think it always landed on that. But mm-hmm. they, I think they were trying to do something, whether or not it succeeded. Um, and then I think sometimes, yeah, I think it just got in the way a bit. But it was one yeah. of the ones I found really, because well, I've kind of got one foot in kind of journalism and another foot in history. And, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, sometimes that works well and sometimes it, it, it feels like you're juggling a bit. And I thought Valiant Hearts is a really interesting one because I saw a lot of um, journalists thought it was massively inappropriate. Like I, I remember one journalist telling me, you don't shoot a gun at any point you know how is this a world war one game you don't shoot a gun and i thought that was just the most bizarre thing to me i was like what this but what <laughs> no like the vast majority of people probably didn't shoot a gun and a lot of people yeah. you know aim to miss and all of it you know yeah. and there's uh, a lot of military history research on that subject in particular and how few people actually did fire their weapon yeah. in wars yeah it's 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 such a thing and 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 then I, I, I went to a, a conference, which was a great conference, and it was about history and games. And we were talking about Valiant Hearts, and all of a sudden there was all these historians saying, oh, I thought it was really interesting, and did you notice this detail and notice that? And I, and I wondered, there was this kind of real, real I don't know, there's a bit of a disconnect between what a, 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 kind of a, a journalist thought was appropriate for the historical setting and then what a historian thought. Um, and I've seen it a couple of times and I think, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if it's perhaps what some people expect or want from a game or maybe because as historians we're more f- familiar with certain kind of mm-hmm. sources and so we view it in a different way. But there's, mm-hmm. there is occasionally this kind of disconnect and I find that really interesting. I saw yeah. it um, talking to people about uh, Bioshock Infinite as well. Um, kind of, yeah, which is which is a game I don't know where I stand on. Um mm-hmm. Uh, but I kind of, I, I saw the thing where I, say, you know, if, a few of my friends had totally legitimate things about what they say, kind of, it tackles stuff with, you know, all the sensitivity of a, all the sensitivity of a steam train hitting into you, you know, it's issues <laughs> on race and stuff like that are just so yeah. like, it's just, it's too, it's done too bluntly. And then mm-hmm. I saw, and then I was talking to a historian friend of mine and he was saying, I don't know, he, he, he found it, uh, I guess because everything else in the game, the whole game is kind of this weird kind of, you know, over the top pastiche of like caricature of these elements. And so, mm-hmm. and actually some of the the kind of tackling of racism wasn't that far off a lot of what was happening at that time period. And so if mm-hmm. we didn't do that to that aspect, aspect, then it would feel kind of out of place because it's such a huge part of that kind of culture and society and then yeah. I, I thought and I don't know where I stand on it I think I think there's there's arguments to be had all over the place and it's, a, it's an interesting debate to, have, to be had and also yeah. I feel like as a you know as a someone who is playing it who's white there's I'm missing you know of course I'm some not gonna, elements yeah, yeah I'm not gonna you know have the same experience and so it's sometimes it's you know I need to be quiet and let other people say who actually yeah. have a kind of more of an emotional resonance with it um but I thought that was yeah. really interesting I thought there wasn't that was another kind of uh place where kind of people I don't know I saw kind of yeah a kind of mismatching of some opinions and yeah, it was, yeah. It was interesting. I mean I think I mean I think uh, historians are much more free to talk about and debate these subjects because it's our job mm. right and I think for video games, you know, in many respects, we want them to engage with these subjects because it'll open up these topics to new audiences. Mm. 
but at the same time, we seem to, uh, many people have a problem with them, uh, attempting to touch on mm. these subjects and failing yeah. in some regard. I, think the, I mean, the my opinion and my, huge. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. Yeah. And my opinion is that I would rather them make the attempt mm. than try to avoid it completely. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if there is a debate to be had about the representation of African-Americans in Bioshock Infinite, if there's a debate to be had about uh, the representation of the First World War in Valiant Hearts or, you know, the representations of Mexican-Americans or uh, Native Americans in um, Red Dead Redemption 2, I would rather have that debate and then it not be an issue and it not come up at all. That's my feeling, at least, because yeah. I feel like so many of these topics – um, they don't get talked enough uh, or get talked enough about in public. Mm. Um, and I think that a lot of our uh, current political issues, either whether it's uh, in Britain or in the United States, um, have come about because of a lack of discussion yeah. about some of these issues. So that's my two cents. But, uh, you know, I could see the other side of the argument as well. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I think, you know, that's kind of where I stand on because I was thinking about the kind of uh, gender history aspect of it. And sometimes I find mm -hmm. just the kind of just total lack of engagement with it a bit frustrating because, you know, I'm not saying it has to dominate the game, but, and I'm, I wonder if, I don't know, I wonder if some of it comes from, they don't want to be seen condoning historical kind of acts of misogyny or kind of mm -hmm. and things like that. And that opens up a whole other thing. And so, yeah, I, I don't know, but I found, I think, I think I don't know if it's, just, it's probably just because I'm more uh, I'm more familiar with the uh, time period with uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. That's where I found it kind of most frustrating. I think especially because you played as both a, a female and a male assassin, and yes. I it, I just felt like the, I think also it's frustrating because I felt like there was so much potential, and and yeah. it just and yeah and I and I thought because it engaged with issues like um, uh, so you know you kind of rescued you know, children from factories and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. and it was kind of a bit of a kind of, you know, Dickensian kind of Oliver Twist style, you know, run free children. You don't know what they're running to. You're just kind of freeing them into this weird <laughs> kind of like, I don't know, like fields. It's weird. It's strange. And then, yeah. and, and I, I, and I wondered how much of it was because they felt like they were, okay, we can tackle this issue because it's quote unquote solved and not necessarily that it is issues of child labor, but that it's kind of very much what we think of when we think of kind of a, Victorian issues of poverty and stuff like that. But then yeah. if they were to touch on, you know, issues of gender and stuff like that, if they thought, well, maybe it's a bit too close to the bone or maybe it's, you know, it's a bit too, you know. and I, It's not settled yeah, yet. Yeah, and so yeah. it feels a bit too raw. And I don't know. It's, it's I don't think they, you know, necessarily have to do it in their games, but it's, it's I think as as more stuff happens, I would I would love to see a game that does at least acknowledge it more. Um, mm -hmm. but I don't know, maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I would be the only person interested in that game and everybody else would be like, oh, really <laughs> <laughs> to play this now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, all right. Well, I think that does it for all of my questions. Is there anything that you'd like to, to talk about any events coming up, anything you'd like to plug? Um, so I am speaking at an event in Colchester in uh, the UK on 1st November and it's called Women, Children and War. And I'm going to be, it's all about uh, everyday lives uh, during World War One. And I'm going to be talking about uh, board games produced in Britain during World War One. So if you're around, I think it's free, but you have to email someone to say that you're coming kind of thing. Um, but I'm going to be speaking at that. Uh, and then I think 
I have a I have a chapter coming out, which is my first academic piece of publishing. So that's great, but also oh, terrifying. <laughs> um, but that will be out hopefully, you know, God knows when, um, uh, you know, academic publishing is. Uh, oh, it takes forever. Uh, yeah. Apparently. Don't hold apparently your breath. It'll be out next year, <laughs> but that's an apparently. So I don't know. But it's about um, my chapter is a quote, uh, the British Empire would gain new strength from the nursery floors, unquote. Uh, depictions of travel and place in 19th century British board games. So nice. So yeah, so awesome. You know, in five years time, you may be able to read it. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not behind some sort of paywall oh, yeah, or yeah. something I mean, like yeah. that. <laughs> Get to a library if it's there. And if not, I'll, I'll send yeah. you a PDF. I know, you know, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> really quick. I forgot to ask you this, but you know, when you're going into the archives to research these games, are you, did the archivists allow you to play the games? in uh, the archive i mean is there I mean, is there an opportunity to do that there's not really a way to stop me playing i guess as long as i'm not being really loud <laughs> um, yeah. i think uh i'm 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 a really it must be really annoying because i do bring dice to the archive um good i don't yeah. always you sometimes i use a number generation on my phone because you know if there's lots it depends on the archive whether i'm in like a private room or whether i'm like in a more kind of library setting and there's lots of people reading various serious books around me and i'm rolling dice like a you know like the most obnoxious <laughs> person in the world. Um, so I try and play them a bit, but a lot of the games I look at are uh, are the same game, essentially. They're all, the vast majority of them are really simple race games. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's, I've had a few people say, oh, it would be great if you did, a, I don't know, kind of a thing where we could play some of the games you look at. And I always say, you would not want to play these games. <laughs> these are very bad games. Like no one would enjoy that. I think past the novelty of, oh, look at the strange, you know, way Victorians portray servant, you know, servants in this game. Isn't that strange? You know, beyond uh-huh. that past kind of that kind of a initial uh, reaction, they're terrible games. They're so boring, you know? And so, mm. and so I, I, I play them a bit, but yeah, that you get to a point where there's only so many games of Ludo or snakes and ladders that you can play before you, just, yeah. you, you just don't want to look at them ever again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I do bring dice to the archive, which, uh, is which yeah i like doing but i i'm also very aware of people around me so sometimes it's just a little number generator on my phone kind of trying to do it as quietly as possible that is awesome i would love to have that experience usually the only time i play games in the archive is when i'm waiting for a set of documents to come up (laughs) and i'll I'll, you know maybe play solitaire on my computer or something like that (laughs) that is the that is Um, the joy of researching board games is that they're just Oh, I just, they're just, they're just fantastic sources, bad games, fantastic sources. Yeah. All right. On that note, uh, that's going to do it for our episode of history respawn. Holly, thank you so much for joining yeah, me today. Thank you.